Megan. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast. Every episode, we talk about travel destinations, interesting trivia, and even some travel fails. Let's dive into today's episode. Don't forget to travel mug. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Travel Mug Podcast. We're so happy you're here. Good to see you, Jen. (laughs) Good to see you. I know. Um, how has your week been? Before we get rolling, I'd love to check in and see what's new in your world. Oh, so much is new. We brought home a new dog from Texas oh. this week. Last week, I guess, technically. And yeah, it's been challenging and exciting and all of those things, having a new animal in our house. <laughs> right, right. She's a traveler as well. Came all the way from Texas. She did. She did. We brought her to the beach for the first time. It was very exciting. But yes, it's been very interesting and I can't wait for her to experience winter for the first time. (laughs) I'm not rushing things. Going to need a coat. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Megan, what's up with you? What have you been up to? No new pets here. Maybe (laughs) someday I'll have that update. But yeah, we're just like literally trying to survive the heat. We have done a few drives to the beach because you know you can always get like a breath of fresh air there. So that's been really great. And we had a wee bit of a birthday surprise for Peter last night with a couple of his friends. It's a big birthday week here on the Travel Mug Podcast. It's his birthday, then your birthday, then your husband's birthday. I apparently am the outlier born in March, which is a shame when all those other birthdays are literally one day after the other. I don't know if we could handle a fourth Leo in this quad of people. (laughs) I'm not sure. You need a Pisces in the mix for sure. (laughs) We needed a water sign or else we'd be in trouble. (laughs) That is a very, very good point. So early happy birthday to you and to Ryan and to Peter as well. But this week, what I thought we would do is take some time and chat about Paris, France, because I mean, why not? Right. I've actually spent a month in France itself three weeks in Paris in 2004. So it has been a long time, but fond memories, of course. I was back again and briefly in 2008. And Jen, you were there for your honeymoon, right? I was. Yeah, we were there for five days in 2015. It was really fun planning this episode because I got out my travel journal and I was looking through the photos and it just made me really want to go back and experience it again for sure. Oh yeah, it's such an amazing city. So having said that, We're not Paris experts, uh, but like past episodes we've done, we thought we would chat about maybe how you can go about planning a trip to the city, maybe for the first time. So with some tips and facts and things not to miss. So again, not experts, but it can really be helpful if you are just getting started on planning maybe a first or even just a second trip to Paris. Yeah, a good like jumping off. Exactly. Exactly. So Jen, why don't you kick us off with some tips that people should keep in mind? Yeah. Just some general tips. Uh, Learn some French. It's, you don't have to be fluent obviously, but it is going to be helpful to just know some French. Yeah. I mean, most places we went in Paris, there was someone who could speak English, but I know in particular the coffee shop that we went to every single morning that we were, when we visited, I don't think they spoke any English at all. So it was wow. really helpful to be able to order like a coffee and a pastry or whatever. Right. You know, we, both my husband and I did French immersion. My husband speaks French pretty fluently. I read really well. My speaking isn't as good because I don't use it as much, 
Uh, But it was really helpful just to be able to communicate a bit. Agreed. Agreed. I found also over the time that I was there, I didn't, I wasn't offered French immersion in high school, but I took French every year that I could brushed up on it before I went. And after a few weeks there, like it really came back and it was very helpful to like understand the messages when I was in the subway, like the announcements that came across because you really don't know what's happening. And it's really great to be able to sort of at least understand the basics, not only just to communicate with people, but messages or announcements or things that happen like that as well. Yeah, for sure. Be aware of pickpockets and scams. There are a few around. It's not like it's, you know, everybody that you see no. pickpocket you, but just be aware of your surroundings and be aware of your things. We did have someone not in our group, but we met that she um, got her phone pickpocketed out of the front pocket of her pants in an elevator. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, very personal. Very personal. So just like be aware. <laughs> and you can really take that tip anywhere with you in the that's world. That's true. That this is not this is not Paris or France specific tip. But it's good to keep in mind. It is good to keep in mind. Make ticket and restaurant reservations in advance. Again, not a Paris specific tip. Just it's an everywhere tip. At this oh point. yeah, yeah. Allow time for exploring. Trust me, I didn't do this. We were running around. We were so burnt out. We went to the Palace of Versailles on the last day and we almost, I took like 10 pictures. <laughs> like we were right. so like, Ugh. and I regret that a lot. So I need to go back and, and redo those mistakes. <laughs> well, I mean, reformed at this point with some downtime and some spacing things out, you could probably have like an incredible trip. So I think you should. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention is you hear so much sometimes about like rude encounters with Parisians. I really think there are rude people worldwide, but you do hear it a lot with Parisians. I've personally never experienced it. I was there for a long time. I've not had that. So my suggestion, I guess, when you hear stuff like that is to not go into any country, in this case, Paris as a city, with preconceived notions of like that city or Parisians. My suggestion is just to be kind and like expect the unexpected. If someone is rude, take it as a one-off, like move on with your day. Don't take it into the rest of your day because it's not all people, all places. That's something again, that could be a tip for anywhere, but it's one of those things that kind of like pops its head up when you're doing some research on France and Paris in particular. My suggestion is to just go in without those notions and just try to enjoy yourself and and take your encounters as they come. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Where to stay? What a big topic when you're visiting any city. Yeah. And this is going to be one of those things that it's going to sort of be a, a you choose section. You choose. Choose, choose your own adventure. Exactly. Um, Paris is divided up into 20 arrondissements or districts. Each of them have things to do and see. And so how do you choose where you want to stay? But of course, it kind of goes back to our general tips for choosing an accommodation. Like look at what you want to do and where those are, what's your budget and what are the transportation options like? Yep, exactly. It's like, why are you going? And and again, that's like anywhere, what, but what does Paris hold for you? What are your top five things you want to see? What What's most central to that? Or like you said, what transportation is nearby that it's going to get you to maybe two out of five things and the other three are nearby. So 
I really do think it's going to depend on that. So where did you stay when you were in Paris? Yeah, we stayed at a little hotel. It was called Hotel de Chaplin, Perry Rive Gauche. Two right. words for a hotel. It was a great price and a great location. It was in the sixth arrondissement. And yeah, I have no complaints. Awesome. Great. Well, I My experience was different because I didn't pay for my accommodations when I was there. I didn't choose it, but I did stay at the Lord Byron Hotel, which sounds very British. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's right off the Champs-Élysées. And I looked at pictures and it has up, gone through a huge upgrade Ooh. since I stayed there. It looks amazing. And it is a great location. Literally, there's a giant flagship swatch store on the Champs-Élysées and it it's literally up the side street from there. It was incredible. I would walk two minutes, take a right. I'm on the street. So it was a, a great location. Again, I can't, uh, can't comment on the price, but it does look, it looks fairly reasonable now, especially for location. But again, this is really an individual choice yeah. and something that people are going to have to sort of make that choice. And obviously budgets are going to be different. You might not be looking to spend a lot, but maybe you've saved a lot of money or have a lot of money. You're like, you know what? This is going to be the place where I'm going to look at the Eiffel Tower my whole trip. So then you make that decision. So I think it's one of those things that people, again, do your research. Do your research. Mm -hmm. Right. Our next topic, transportation, how to get around while you're in Paris or how to get to Paris. We both took, right, the channel over from London to Paris on the Eurostar train. It was perfect. I have no complaints about that. If we were already in London, it was a perfect way to get to Paris. Obviously, flying right into Paris if you're coming from North America is ideal. That's what I would do. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I was there twice. So yeah, once through the channel and then once I sort of just flew into Charles de Gaulle. So obviously if you're nearby, it's going to be different how you get to Paris if you're going by a land, whether it's from, you know, London or another nearby city. So, I mean, again, it just depends on how that fits into your trip or if it is your whole trip. Yeah, for sure. All right. Getting around the city, we want to mention the hop on hop off bus tour. We're really big fans of doing that, kind of getting the lay of the land, getting the most popular sites kind of listed for you. And you can just hop on, hop off. Yeah. I did that both times I was there. So I did it during the longer trip. And then we went for the day trip from London. We just felt it was the best way to sort of squeeze a bunch of things in was hop on, hop off. I always enjoy them. You can, I, it, it sure it's very quote unquote touristy, but I'm a tourist and I want to see like the places. So it's really great because usually there's another bus coming around. So wherever you'd like to get off, do so and then catch the next one or the next next one. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, subway. So there's like the metro and then the RER trains. They'll take you basically anywhere that you need to go, even the airport, which is really convenient. But it was pretty easy to use from what I remember, but knowing some French will definitely make it a lot easier. To use. Yeah. I, I, it took me a while. I was by myself most of the time. So it took me a while to sort of navigate, but once I was used to it, it, it became second nature. So if you've got enough time there, the first couple of days, you're probably just going to be a little, oh my goodness, where do I go? It's in another language, et cetera, but give it some time. And it actually wasn't too tough to navigate at all. I have never taken, did you take the subway to or from the airport there? Yeah, 
to, to when we were leaving. And how did that go? It was totally fine from what I remember. It was like not a big deal at all. I think we like didn't have to change trains or anything like that. And it's a good money saver, I find as well, rather than paying for a taxi or an Uber. Yes, for sure. Oftentimes cheaper. Speaking of less expensive is literally good old fashioned walking. The streets there are just filled with so much history and amazing architecture. When my dad came to visit me during one of the weeks that I was there, he literally walked so much he needed to buy new shoes. He spent a lot of time. I was working while I was there. So I was busy during the day and he was out and he walked so much all over the city, felt safe to do so. Sure, he's a a big dude, but he still was by himself in a foreign, a foreign city, spoke no French and had a great time. So it's, it's possible to do. So getting out there, if walking is something that is easy for you to take part in, I hundred percent recommend that. Yeah. That's, we did mostly walking while we were in the city. It was a great way to get around. Yeah. And something else I would recommend as well that my father did that I was always jealous at the end of my day. I'm like, (laughs) what did you do today? But he actually, while I was at work, he did a boat tour in the Seine. So it's really great and relaxing. We've done it in other cities. You get to see all the sights from the water without having to navigate anything. You're literally just sitting and taking it all in. Most of those tours have narration, usually with English included. And it's really great because you get to see all of the different places along the way, places maybe you hadn't heard of or thought of visiting. And then you can actually, when you're done that tour, go and see them for yourself if they're of interest for you. So I think if you're, you know, tired of walking, don't want to navigate the subway today. A leisurely boat ride can really sort of fill in those gaps, give you some new ideas, or just a great way to relax while seeing like history literally float by you. Yeah, that's really cool. I wish that I had done that, but also I, wish I hadn't been working, but yeah. yeah. He seemed to enjoy it. I was so happy for him. Let's also talk about the time of year to visit because I think, you know, Europe is a little bit different from like a Canadian seasonal change. And I've been there at sort of two different times. So I was there in the spring. I'm obviously a huge fan of shoulder season travel anyway, but I didn't get to choose when I went. They're just like, you're going to Paris in spring. And I'm like, all right, that sounds great. And it was, and we were also there in February. So we visited for the day. Like I said, it was brisk, but it was fine. Like a coat was fine. Winters in Europe just aren't the same as in Canada. So I think, you know, I'm sure there's, again, depending on what you're looking for, better times to go than not. So check that out for sure online. When did you go? We went in October. So we were there end-ish, middle to end of October. It was chilly, but it wasn't bad. Like I wore my winter coat, but I was okay. It rained one day or it was drizzly one day. It just, it was gray. And of course, most of the leaves were like going from the trees. So it was just a little, I mean, similar to here in like yeah. late October, right? It can be a bit chilly. It can be a bit windy. It can be a bit drizzly. I just, I wish I had seen it in bloom or in like, cause you know, when you're going to like gardens and that sort of stuff and it's all just sticks, it's like less <laughs> exciting. <laughs> it's not as pretty when it's just sticks like that. It's just not. So next time I would prefer to go probably in the spring just to kind of more see it. Yeah. And more alive looking. <laughs> I totally get that. Now the advantage of going off season as well is less crowds. So that is also, if, if, 
crowds are sort of not your bag and coming back out into the world. A lot of people aren't really into the crowd scene yet. I mean, low season anywhere is going to be better for that reason. So again, why are you going? What's important to you kind of thing? Yeah. All right. Let's talk, Let's about, talk about popular things to do. Hey. Right. That up first. All right. The first is stroll really literally anywhere, but the Chal Elysee, just kind of walk it, take it all in, sit on a bench, people watch, shop if it's in your budget, just enjoy. It's like quintessential Paris. You can't miss it. It is. Like I was probably of the age at that point when I first went and my dad was there where people watching wasn't as interesting to me because he's like, Megan, let's just sit here and look at the people. And I'm like, no. (laughs) But then now that I'm like older, I literally think that I would be like cool to sit and just like watch all the different fashions go by all the different people. So yeah, I think I highly recommend it. It's such an interesting street anyway. And then the people only make it that much more interesting. Something we both love. I know this for sure. So cafe culture, like European cafes, are so high in my mind on like list of things to do wherever I go. And Paris is no different. So spend time in cafes. If that is of interest for you or something you enjoy. I did this a lot during my three weeks there alone. I took my journal. I ordered some food. I listened to the people around me living their everyday lives. And once I was understanding French better, it was even more interesting. (laughs) Yeah, And I literally just took it all in. This was one of my favorite activities to do by myself and also take that opportunity as well. Not just sit inside at cafes, but also sit outside at street cafes, even better views and people watching. I can't recommend this enough. French pastries are incredible. So you can't go wrong with like a really strong coffee and, and a, and a pastry. I mean, how does that sound bad? It's not, I can't, it can't possibly be. It's impossible. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. The one of the big ones, the Louvre in of Paris. Course. How can you not visit the w- world's most visited museum? Um, right. but prepare yourself because this place is massive. And I saw this fact and I thought it was funny. You'd have to spend 200 days there to see each of the 35,000 works of art on display at the museum if you looked at each one for 30 seconds. That is mind-boggling. <laughs> like there's so much. So just like prepare yourself that you can't see it all when you're there and do a little bit of research <laughs> again on what you want to see and make sure you know where it is in the museum. And also they move things around the museum sometimes. So make sure you're looking at like an updated map. Helpful. Yes. Um, yes. So buy your tickets advance. Ryan and I waited like, I think around two hours outside to buy tickets. Our husbands are very different people. I would not have been in that line for two hours. Although we went, I went both times. I don't remember there being lines. February probably wasn't as busy. And then when I was there in the spring, I remember going, I went by myself. I went with someone else at at another time. I don't remember waiting then either, but I'm sure it's when you hit like what's happening, how many people it's why roll the dice. If you can buy a ticket in advance, always. The other thing I wanted to mention about the Louvre is yes, you can see the Mona Lisa, but really be prepared for her to be popular. I was able to get close. Again, there weren't many people when I was there. 
and she's very small. And like that smirk on her face, I think is because she's fooled us all into thinking she's like a huge deal. And then you get there and inevitably most people go, Oh, Oh. (laughs) okay. And I feel like I was told that, that, you know, this painting is small and you get there and you're like, wow. Yeah, it really is like interesting. And you don't want to spend a lot of time like looking at it because you're being like jostled around by other people. And it's, yeah. And thankfully it's covered by glass because there are some crazies out there, even recently in the news, trying to get to her. So she is even like sort of covered in, in glass and you can't get too, too close. But I mean, you can say you've, you've saw it if that's important to you. Um, Notre Dame, of course, and surrounding area. There was, of course, the fire in 2019 and it was partially saved, undergoing reconstruction. That was really devastating to watch on TV. Like, wow, it was so Like it literally felt like this like weight in my chest. It is set to reopen fully in 2024. Right now you're able to visit the square and the archaeological crypt in the area. I also remember, again, it was a long time ago, but around the cathedral is really lovely as well. I was remembered before I went, someone's like, you have to go to this ice cream cart near the cathedral, get the gelato. So I did all that. And then like strolling around there by myself, really great memories, even though it was a long time ago, it sort of has that warm feeling, if that makes sense. Like I know it was lovely. So again, like anywhere in Paris, right in that area is a lovely place to sort of just spend some time. We went in the cathedral when we were there and it is absolutely beautiful. And you know, if, if you're listening to this and going in 2024 or after, definitely go in and yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful cathedral. What's next? All right. I mean, more quintessential Paris, the Eiffel Tower. How can you talk right. about Paris without talking about right. the tower? It is beautiful during the day. To me, it is much more beautiful at night with the light show. The area kind of around the Eiffel Tower can get a bit crowded There's lots of people. Obviously, they're taking pictures. We saw like, I feel like it was like 15 weddings happening in the park. Right. It was just, it was a lot. And during the night, like in the evenings and during the night, it was a lot less crowded. Yeah. And yeah, the lights are spectacular. We didn't they, go up the tower. Did you go up the tower? Yeah, I went up a couple of times. So when Peter and I were there in 2008, the line to like get in and take the elevator when you bought your ticket was long. The line, if you wanted to buy a ticket to walk up was as you can imagine, short. Right. And so at that time I was like, no, I can't walk it. And Peter's like, we'll stop when you need to, like, we can do this. How cool of an experience it would be. And like usual, irritatingly, he was correct. Gosh, it bugs me. Anyway. So we did walk, I think it's about 700 plus stairs. We took breaks when we needed to, you can't walk the whole way. You eventually have to get to the elevator and take it up further anyway, but it was really cool. Again, if you're, if that's in your wheelhouse, I do recommend it. And usually you can do it quicker. And I also went up with my dad. We took tons of pictures, spent sort of daylight, dusk, and then into the evening up there so that we could get all the views, see it from sort of, you know, daylight into the evening. Honestly, the best views though, really of the tower with the lights, it's not on it. (laughs) You have to, you have to be away from it to get the best views, but it's still cool to be up there while that's happening. Then you can go down and, and walk a little bit and see it for yourself from both angles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would have to say probably my favorite area was the Montmartre area, Moulin Rouge, 
art shops, Basilica of the Sacred Heart of Montmartre, sit on the steps and have lunch or snack or coffee. The steps sort of lead up from the square. Louise Michel, make sure to find, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, Le Passe Mireille. Um, It's a cool statue that's emerging from a wall. If you Google that, it's like really, really cool. It's really just an incredible place. What I remember, and again, it was a long time ago, is just wandering around. It was a Sunday. It felt very artsy and cool. It was just really enjoyable and I can't recommend it enough. Even just sitting on the steps of the church in front of this beautiful, ornate white building was, it was awesome. I loved it. We were able to get a subway easy from where we were. So it's easily accessible as well. Highly enjoyable. Did you make it to that area when you were in France? Didn't. And I'm so sad now that you're talking about it. I'm like, I have to go there. We'll see now your next trip. You've got like things. So we're doing tips for you. Tips for me. (laughs) Exactly. Now somewhere I didn't go that I think you've been is up next. So I was really excited to go. So it's the Palais Garnier um, or the Opera Garnier. It's an opera house, the home of the Paris Ballet. We sadly didn't get to see a performance, but you can just go in and explore. They kind of have like a museum-y area. Um, It's beautiful. I'm a huge fan of Phantom of the Opera. So this is the uh, opera house that inspired that musical. And yeah, so we got to see the Paris Ballet rehearsing for like a second. You weren't really supposed to see them. I don't think there was like a a little peek, but that was really exciting. And I loved it there so much. So next time I would like to go see a performance. There just wasn't one for us to go see on the, right. the like four or five nights that we were there. So that sounds like one of those nights out you would see in like a movie or something. Mm. Like must make that happen. Yeah, like I would have to bring like a gown. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I can't wait for the day that happens. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend as well going up in the Arc de Triomphe. Did you do this? No, no. Oh. On the, the road. Yes. So for about 12 euros, I can't remember what it was at the time, but I looked and it's about 12 euros now. You can either climb 330 stairs to the top or take an elevator and then it's still 46 steps. So really need to keep that in mind to make sure that's in your wheelhouse. You go to the attic room if you take the elevator and then walk the steps up from there. There's amazing views of Champs-Élysées, the Louvre, the tree-lined street is just incredible. The view from up there. It's also a different view of the Eiffel Tower. So you can actually see the tower from there. So you, because when you're on the tower, you can't see the tower kind of thing. So it's it's cool to see it from that angle. I don't remember buying tickets in advance, but again, always recommended. And the arc looks over the most insane roundabout where you can watch drivers play like fender bender chicken. It is wild. And unless like, I can't imagine what would make me drive through there, but I'm sure some type of emergency would do it, but it would have to be something dire because looking down upon the traffic, it's almost worth it to go up just for that. It is terrifying to watch and also incredibly fascinating. Yes. I think my only picture of the Arc de Triomphe was we were like crossing the street before that. So it's like, there's all kinds of traffic and like, ah, yeah. It is crazy. Like bless people's hearts that do that every day. You have a stronger constitution than myself. Yeah, for sure. 
And then finally, what is the pièce de résistance? All right. It's sort of, it's not really in Paris, but it's sure. close enough. Anyway, the Palace of Versailles. So you can take the line C of the RER train. It takes you right from Paris to Versailles. It's about 40 minutes on the train. It's 100% worth the trip. It was the very last day of our honeymoon. We did not appreciate it enough. I can't wait to go back. The palace is amazingly beautiful. So kind of initially constructed in its first iteration as a hunting lodge for King Louis XIII. King Louis XIV loved it there. And so he moved the royal court from Paris to Versailles. As one Uh, does. As you do. It is absolutely gorgeous. There's so much to explore, including the palace, huge gardens, and then Marie Antoinette's estate. And then of course, in the, in the palace, you have the hall of mirrors, which is absolutely more beautiful in person than you can ever see in a photo. Although it's incredibly crowded, of course. Of course. Anything that's that lovely, inevitably the people end up there. And you, yes. So you can tour obviously Versailles either on your own a guided tour or an audio tour if you, and they usually have your preferred language on the little radio thing that you listen to. These days to be able to see everything on the ground, it's going to cost you about 1950 in terms of euros. You do need to book a time slot in advance. And this ticket will include a limited time in the palace itself. So make sure to buy your tickets in advance, be there on time. So you can see all the things that you want to see is sort of my recommendation. Yeah. We bought our tickets in advance. I don't think it was timed back then. I'm sure this is a COVID development, right? But that's probably good for controlling congestion and crowds and stuff in there. Also, I want to say like the town of Versailles is really lovely, like outside of the gates of the palace and worth wandering around through as well. Awesome. Now, Let's move forward and talk about one of your favorite subjects. I'm really not going to have a lot to say on this. Obviously, I've never been. So take it away. I would love to learn a bit more about Disneyland Paris. All right. Disneyland Paris. It used to be called Euro Disney, um, but they did change the name. Obviously, I had to go as a huge Disney fan. I had to go. There's a lot of similarities between Disney World and Disneyland and probably Disneyland and Disneyland Paris, like kind of all of those parks. There's definitely some differences. So Disneyland Paris has two parks, uh, Disneyland Park and Walt Disney Studios Park. Okay. You've been to Disney World in Florida. Disneyland Park is similar to the Magic Kingdom. And then Walt Disney Studios Park is similar to Hollywood Studios in Florida. Okay. Um, there's also like seven hotels around, but the park is easily accessible from Paris. So that's the RER, I can't remember, I think it's RERA train takes you basically right there into like the entrance of Disneyland. And it's about 40 minutes. Okay. It's not bad. We went there and back in the same day. Um, yes, we visited both parks in one day. We bought a- That sounds very busy. It was, it was, we bought a park to park pass. We could visit both parks. I think two days would probably be ideal. Um, Like, would you say a day per park if you did two days or is one park sort of only a half day venture? I would say it depends. Like Disneyland park is definitely a full day park. Disney studios, Disney, well, Walt Disney studios park, excuse me is 
a half to maybe three quarter day. Like okay. it's, we didn't do a whole lot in that park. They have built more things since I was there, but definitely you could do it in like one and a half to two days. You would see probably almost everything. Okay. We focused on rides that were different than Florida. So we did Phantom Manor, which is different than Haunted Mansion in Florida. Alice's Curious Labyrinth was like a maze, hedge maze from Alice in Wonderland was really cool. There's a dragon under the castle. Oh. Yes. Um, And then the worlds of Pixar area, which was at Walt Disney Studios Park. The Disneyland Park Castle is probably one of the most beautiful. It was really, really lovely. And you can go and wander through it. There's beautiful stained glass windows inside. It's Sleeping Beauty Castle. Uh, So it's a little different because Florida is Cinderella Castle. Uh, so it's just a little bit, a little bit different. I will say in, in general, when we went, the food wasn't the best food. We didn't starve, but it was just like, I'm glad to hear it. It was just okay. Right. <laughs> it was decorated for Halloween when we went, which was really cool. There was like a villains stage show that we got to see. Yeah. I was worried that I wouldn't feel the same way when I was there because I love Florida so much, but it definitely felt like Disney, even though it was a little bit different than what I was used to. And I, I want to go back again. Right. Awesome. Well, there you go. There's straight from Jen's mouth. She's been there. She's seen, she's done. It was weird being in a Disney park and being chilly because I'm (laughs) used to being in Florida where it is warm. (laughs) No, I can definitely imagine that would be a different experience. And a lot of like French around you. Yeah. I mean, that Um, would be. I feel like there was people smoking in the park. Maybe I'm making this up, but like, I felt like. No, that sounds about right. No, that sounds about right. This is weird. (laughs) No, that sounds about right. We just got home from Europe. Totally sounds, sounds very. Yeah. That's that's correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. That will probably help people understand if they want to fit it into their trip to Paris, what that looks like, how long they'll need. So that's really great. We haven't done this in a bit. So let's finish this off with some fun facts. Why don't you kick us off? First fun fact, Jen. The return of the fun fact. All right. The very first Bloody Mary drink was made in Paris. Wow. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that, Paris. Paris has 450 parks and gardens throughout the city. I totally believe that. I mean, again, if you're wandering around, you're never going to not find one of those. So lots of green space, which I love that. Yeah. Like we said, it's home to the world's largest art museum at the Louvre and it is home to the tiny Mona Lisa. (laughs) Such contrast. building. Before the devastating fire, of course, in 2019, the Notre Dame Cathedral was the most visited attraction in Paris, receiving approximately 13 million visitors per year, almost double the Eiffel Tower. And that in itself is so strange to me. I know. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I feel like they're only counting people who go up the Eiffel Tower and not like... Who lay eyes on obviously, it. Obviously, because like, how can you go around the city with right. Laying eyes on it at some point, but how would you measure that? But obviously, yeah, more people go in or did go into the Notre Dame than up the Eiffel Tower, which I I guess now that you say it that way, I could see it because some people are more interested in having their picture taken with the Eiffel Tower than being in it. So you can't do both if you're in it. 
So I guess I could see that. And you're right. You have to have a quantifiable measure. So it's probably who goes up and in. Yeah. Yeah. Our last fun fact is boulangeries are only legally allowed to be called a boulangerie if the bread is baked and kneaded on the premises. Well, I mean, duh. No, see, I never, like, this is also mind-boggling to me. That's very particular. I know. Like, baked and kneaded. Like, it needs to, like, get in there, and then it's official. Weird, right? That is weird. Indeed. Look what we've learned. Look what we've learned this week. love that so much. All right. Well, that's all we have for this Beginner's Guide to Paris. We hope you have fun planning your Paris trip. And uh, I know I really want to get back there. So thanks for listening to the Travel Mug Podcast. As always, you can find us on our website, travelmugpodcast.com, Facebook, and Instagram at the Travel Mug Podcast. Support the show, buy us a coffee. You'll get access to fun stuff like bloopers and that sort of thing. And consider leaving us a review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, five, five stars only. I mean, I mean, it's up to you, but we love five stars. We love five stars. Share <laughs> <laughs> the show with a travel loving pal, and we'll talk to you again soon. Farewell. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.